0: Hi guys and welcome to a special edition of the Fight Sub Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash, and today, since there wasn't really anything to talk about last weekend in the boxing, and there isn't anything particularly to build up to next weekend, I decided to do something a little bit different. And what I'm going to do is give a little breakdown, a little insight into why I think Joe Calzaghi, or why Joe Calzaghi is one of my favourite boxers of all time, and um, exactly what it was that made him so good. Um, this is going to be. A discussion of how good he was, not how great he was, and for anyone who isn't aware, that's a distinction. It's not a formal distinction that's written down anywhere as far as I'm I'm aware. But a lot of, especially boxing um, fans, um, boxing pundits, do tend to distinguish it this way. That your greatness, is a a fighter's uh, greatness, is how how much you achieved, who... um, all together or stacked together who you beat or well, you know what you managed to do over the whole course of your career how high does that put you on the list versus other people and it would be hard to argue that Joe Kazagi achieved what his his skill probably meant probably should have achieved there's various reasons for that they're not all on him some of them are on him some of them are just on the state of the division at the time but that's not that's not what I'm discussing today what I'm discussing today is how good he was just <clears throat> as skill for skill, and I'm going to do that by taking the Michael Kessner fight and skipping, you know, I'm not going to do, it's not going to be a commentary of the Kessner fight. I'll I'll tell you every every so often, I'll tell you where I am, um, what I'm looking at right now, where it is in the, in the fight. You know, so you can follow along because obviously this is a podcast, it's not a video. I haven't got gifs or gifs or whatever you want to call them. But mostly I'm just, you know, I'm going to be picking things out from here and there in the fight. I'm going to talk about how he, how how he used, um, Talk about things that he did throughout his career but i'm going to be focusing on the kessler fight so if you want to if you feel like following along you know you can find the kessler fight on youtube or wherever um feel free to load that up the reason i'm picking the kessler fight and uh, not um one of his um more starry wins well that's simple enough Um i think kessler is the best win the most significant win of his career Like um, he had bigger names Like beating Um Bernard Hopkins You know Historically Hopkins is a better fighter than Kessler Obviously But um But in the context of the time that they fought And The performance our Kazagi put in I think That performance Is a Is a More meaningful one Um The Lacey fight You know It's the Starry one It's a The superstarry starry Uh fight of uh, oh, that everyone goes back to when you talk about Joe Calzaghi but ultimately it was so one-sided that all you really learn is that Joe Calzaghi was that much better than Lacey that um, he could do anything or wanted in that fight um, and you know Kessler it in the long run it, it pretty obviously turned out that Kessler was a better fighter than Lacey so obviously to, before we start if anyone hasn't watched Kessler you need to know you need to know about him a little bit because just watching a uh, Joe Kalsaki, uh do some do his um do his work against some guy you know which quite quite a few people I imagine what well, you know you won't have gone back if, especially if you're relatively new to boxing you won't have seen Michael Kessler so before I start on Joe Kazaki I'll contextualise a little bit a little, little bit about Kessler why why Kazaki beating him more significant so now in terms of what he achieved well Kessler was a he was a Danish fighter. Um, that's, um, and um, yeah, he was a super, career super middleweight. Uh, his achievement, you know, he he won a world title a couple of times. He lost once to he lost it once to Kalzagi, uh the W.A. title in this fight. Then later on, he lost again to um, Andre Ward in a, what was a pretty it was a pretty dirty fight. Um, not dirty. There was a lot of head clashes and shit. That's what stopped the fight in the end, and he lost on a technical decision after an accidental clash of heads and then he beat Karl which is you know as I think we know that's a pretty good achievement and um yeah then his career you know he started dealing with injuries and shit and um his career sort of petered out from there and then he lost the rematch to Karl and it all ended but in his heyday what he was was a really solid really good all, he was a sort of all-round technical puncher boxer type guy um, and what's important for this analysis of, you know, we're talking about Joe What, why why this one is so good. Um, the first thing about Kessler is that his jab was really fucking good. And, you know, if you have never seen, before, seen him before and you watch the Joe Kazaki breakdown, you might not think that that's true. You have to bear in mind that that was the case. Um he had a really sharp jab. He threw it sort of all different sort of angles, up, down, um, little up foot, sharp up the jab that he did, and yeah, he was just really nice with it. He had um, good footwork, a little bit straight line, which you know Katsagi is going to exploit as we talk about this. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, he had good footwork, going backwards and forwards. He could really fight in both directions. He was one of those fighters who could, um, you know, go, go go this way, that way. It, it didn't really matter, but matter to him whether he was being pressed or the one who had to press. You know, it wasn't wasn't that big of a deal for him. So that was a you know an adaptable sort of fighter, pretty basic. Like you, you know, he wasn't doing anything super flashy. He wasn't. A, he wasn't gonna. He's not gonna set your world on fire as a as a boxing fan. But he was an exciting fighter, top tier technically. You know, beating him ultimately pretty comfortably is a strong indication of a of a fighter as a boxer. Like if, if we're comparing him to where the super middleweight division is now, like. Canelo would beat him, not easily. I suspect he'd probably be favourite to to beat everyone else in the division. You know, like Benavides would um, would give him trouble. Plant would give him trouble, but he'd be in there with those guys and have a pretty solid chance. I'd probably make him favourite against both of those, although you know, people know I like David Benavides. So, but in any case, right? Let's um, let's pick up now. Joe Why is he one of my favourite fighters? Well because he was a guy who I uh, grew up getting into boxing with Um, where was he at the time he fought Kessler well by that time he'd already beaten Jeff Lacey he's you know he'd already sort of made it in America by then which took him far longer than it should have done partly because he didn't want to go he never felt he should have to go to America because he's a champion and the sort of champions at that time didn't feel the need to come to him, so he didn't get the fight, so he really should have been getting through his prime. That was compounded by some pretty bad hand injuries, and some really bad hand injuries, which um, is a lot of why, if you talk, if you, the you Kazagi gets talked about now, and an awful lot gets talked about how he, he's a slappy fighter, he wasn't that impressive because his punches were slappy. And I mean, this is a sort of an aside, um, it's not going to super come up when I'm talking about the fight, there's just something that Kazagi did, yes, he slapped, with his punches very much because if you hit someone clean with his fist they just sort of broke and so he had to adjust his style to make up for that but it, he still knocked out shitloads of opponents and he had this incredible volume and you know we're going to get into all of that but um but yeah he dominated the super middleweight well he, he held he didn't dominate the division because yeah he had the one belt he defended it uh a lot and then he jeff lacy started to get in the bigger fights let's get it let's let's crack right into it i'm not going to do a career breakdown i'm going to talk about why he's so good via the michael kessler fight so let's load that up if you want to follow along as i say it's on youtube feel free but um you know if you're, if you're not if you don't fancy watching it on youtube at this stage don't worry i'm not intending this to be a commentary if you ever sit down you know if you listen to this now and sit down and watch the fight later then hopefully I've covered enough stuff that you can uh that you can p- pick out a few things that maybe hopefully you wouldn't have done before and um you can get something out of this i'm going to start with a little something around the one the early rounds aren't super you know they were back there were close rounds back and forth not super significant with things happening but um straight away the first thing you will notice is um Kessler comes out behind a kind of jab. As I said here, he had a very strong jab, and straight away, Joe Calzaghi is right away looking to take it away. The first thing he does is kind of clumsy, rush in into a clinch. Um, didn't look, didn't look lovely. Um, I think he was just sort of he did miss that was he did miss up. But what he was doing there was you know letting Kessler know that uh, I'm cr- I'm going to be crushing your space as soon as possible. And that was just really a thing with Joe Calzaghi. Um, he liked to let his opponents know. Um, that He had the, the the space, it didn't always work out for him. He got dropped in the early rounds quite a few times, and that you know, he could have if if Kessler had been uh, a little sharper there, he could have punished him for something there. But, um, that was a fairly typical thing of Cher just straight away, like this is my this is my tempo, you're not you, you have to keep up with me. Um, one thing I wanted you to keep an eye on straight, even even straight away, you'll notice this is a Kazagi was a south ball, so he had a lot of open stance matchups, and um. This is a fight in which Kazaki really puts to puts to bed the myth of that if it's an open starts matchup you have to have your foot on the outside like it's helpful and there will there are things that are obviously good about having your foot starts on the outside but there's an awful lot of times here where Kazaki gives up the inside you know he gives up the outside foot position his foot's on the inside and he nonetheless is giving kessler the slip the run around what have you um a few reasons for this a few different ones but just straight away notice that. Kawasaki's foot is often not always often on the inside sometimes he'll step on Ketler's foot whatever um but he's just not that bothered about having to having to have his foot on the outside to to pivot to the right even though he does pivot to the right quite a lot one of the reasons he's uh, able to do that or one of the reasons he's um, so comfortable doing that is because I think a lot of some boxers a lot of pundits these days tend to forget that you're allowed to use you're allowed to use your back leg to move you're allowed to use your back leg to turn on to create your angles as well you know it's not everything of the front foot and you can see it straight away even in the some of the early exchanges like Kazagi is very happy if he thinks he's um a little bit trapped if he's um if he's not comfortable moving to his right because left straight away then he'll just go on the back put his weight a little bit on the back foot and step out that way and He'll turn on the back foot sometimes. Well, sometimes get him in trouble, but um he was very, very hard. Because of that, he was very, very hard to nail down. And you can see straight away Keza's struggling to nail down the distance Kazak is going to be on because his balance is switching, he's moving, he's back, he's changing his balance and his stance using his back leg when he needs to, which is something you don't see as often, I think, as you should. As I say. You need to be super aware of what you're doing when you do that. Kazagi did sometimes get sloppy in this fight, not as much as in other fights, but, but it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a good thing to see, a thing we might, we might sometimes want to see more of. And the other thing in the first fight, in the first round, first couple of rounds to notice from Kazagi is straight away. Um, one thing that probably doesn't get talked about enough is how good his head and upper body movement is just all the time, just non-stop, constant it's not janky, it's smooth, you know, it's const- constantly twitchy, but it's not janky. It's He's got the smooth movement, he's com- he's very well balanced, um, and it, that goes with his feet. It is nearly impossible for an opponent throughout his career for an opponent to nail down the range. You know, when Kazagi was at a distance and suddenly he'd lean in and he'd be popping you with a right hand or a left hand or uh, whatever, because his his head movement was just superb right right i think right now there's only two or three fighters that can i mean canelo can match it canelo also beats it because he was he was more canelo's more consistently canelo doesn't make as many mistakes like Kazagi would get caught square and get knocked down on the back of it doesn't in this fight it did happen to him but uh but in terms of when he's fully concentrating which was you know 99% of the time Kozaki played, you know, he played in that level. He had this fantastic upper body movement that he used defensively to slip shots, etc, and to set up his own shots. Which is, you know, he threw a lot of. And in this round, the volume is a little bit lower than maybe you associate with Kazagi. if you've only heard about him or if you've only seen the Lacey fight. That's completely natural. He is fighting as the commentators are saying here, the the second best fighter in the world uh, in the in the division at the time. He's taking his time to work out what Kessler's doing, see what Kessler's got. He's still throwing shitloads of punches, so what can you do? Now, uh, this sort of pattern of Kazagi, you know, Kazagi doing his jukey head movement thing, jump, jumping in and out, trying to force Kessler backwards. That happens, you know, it continues through the first round, the second round. Towards the end of the second round, um, if you follow him along, he's... um. He gets clipped. He gets forced a little bit back. That happened to Kezla, to Kazagi. You know, more maybe more than it should have done. Um, he took it. He took it well as he always did. He had an incredible chin and an even better recovery. But um, it's a thing that made him. That was maybe not a technical strength of his, but uh, made him more than more fun to watch. Is that when he's hurt, his instinct is to is to fire back, and you know, that isn't always the wisest thing to do. But it does make opponents. It did make opponents wary of a... Uh, after they hurt him, because they know that straight away his volume crank is going to go right up, and um, maybe didn't take advantage of that as much as they should have done. That may have been the case here with Kessler, who um, who definitely rocked him back on his heels, and then just sort of, he was measured, you know, Kessler was never a wild guy anyway, so uh, despite their nickname Viking Warrior, he was a aggressive boxer, but not a full-on, in-your-face pressure-pressure fighter, but um, it's I think it's notable that um, that Kawasaki... That, Kes- that Kazagi did take a shot, you know. He did, did take a heart shot. It was, about, it was about a minute to go in the second round. And, yeah, it's a display of his recovery skills and, and what he usually used to do in that situation. And this is the beginning of the third round. That is sort of the first significant mm, moment of Kazagi. He starts to make an adjustment in the fight. And, you know, what happens is there's that issue. There's a the thing where there's a moment where, Kaz- where kessler does tag him again. It isn't... Does, is hurting, but it does significantly hurt him, but it's a notable punch. And then Kazma slips or falls over. And after that, I think Kazagi just decided, okay, fighting at mid range isn't really working for me um, at the moment. I need to do something to really get in this guy's head. And he, he he went a little bit wild. And I think what people do tend to forget when you see these situations is this, when Kazagi does this, um, his punches. Sometimes it did get very, very stoppy even by his standards. You know, he would start winging the punches really wide. They weren't delivered with any serious power. You know, even by the standards of him protecting his hands, this was just the punching mechanics here are not. You know, they're not beautiful. I think the thing to remember is that even though he's coming at Keza very, very aggressively with his hands, either throwing or mostly down, he's still finding him Keser still fighting him very hard to hit because. Um, even though it looks like is going wild and to a certain extent he is, his head movement was, um, and his placement, his understanding of space was so strong that, uh, that even for a very good fighter like Keznar, you really, really needed to be at a point to catch catch him when he's getting in your face. And I think what he's doing here is okay, I like to be inside despite being the bigger guy um, in most of his fights at video he's a big filler. Kazaki did like to fight inside despite, you know, Commentators occasionally talk about his, He hasn't got the power But he should box out, out out, out, Outright at distance So that just wasn't really his game So he, he just decided for a little bit At the beginning of round 3 To bully Kessler backwards Just to, okay I'm not going to box this guy backwards At this point in the fight I'm just going to fluster him And make him go backwards physically And um, that, that was the other thing Is Kessler uh, Is Kozagi was motherfucking strong was, You know, even at light, light heavyweight uh, which he went up to for a couple of fights. Um, he was strong at super middleweight. He was a, uh, I'd say, significantly stronger than than pro- probably everyone he fought. Certainly, in terms of manhandling, he was um, much stronger than Kessler He knew how to do it better than Kesler, and that this was the first moment in the fight Kazagi really started to, to show that if he needed to, he could he could raise it, raise it to a level that Kessler wouldn't be comfortable with. Look, if you happen to have the HBO stream up, then the commentators here are talking about, look, Kesler's keeping his his shape, he's keeping it sharp, his punches are straight. Kazagi seems to be getting a little bit desperate, his punches are getting sloppy, and I mean, that's, to a certain extent, that's true. Kessler's mechanics, sharpness, in this little phase of the fight, stayed stronger as long as he was punching. And I think that's a key thing, because watch, quite a few times in this round... You know Kesler's punching sharp. Then Kazagi gets through the range where Kesler wants to be punching, and Kesler just straight away goes kind of curled off, and he isn't ready for what he needs to be doing when Kazagi is inside it, or really, really close in the pocket, or in the clinch. And um, and that was just something that uh, that, that is a big advantage for a fighter. Is um, yes, it's great to be technically perfect at all times, but if you can't be technically perfect all times, um you need to be able to fight, not necessarily dirty, I mean, the best fighters all know how to get dirty, but how to fight when you're all a little bit, you know, how to do things a little bit off balance, a little bit off kilter, just to change the tempo, um, you know, throw your opponent on, off their game. This is something that I talked about a little bit um, in an article I did about Canelo, um, and it's something um, something that he displayed against Robert Plant, and it's something that Kazagi did very well, pretty much all the time, and it's something he did very well here. So when the clean, you know, even um, when the clean sort of accurate stuff wasn't working, he w- would quite happily just turn it off and uh, and start shoving his opponent about, and that's what he was doing in this third round here. And despite the commentators not picking up on it, I think that was this isn't where the fight started to turn. Uh, it isn't it isn't where Kazaki really took over, but it's sort of setting the setting the stage for later on when Kazaki did really start to pull away. And you can see, you know, about midway through the round, then even though Kazaki stops this real pulling forward, but he, he keeps his hands down, and he starts just landing much more from mid-range. Now, straight away, he's had this he's, he's had this phase of pushing Kesele backwards, making Kesele a bit worried. And then he starts back to throwing one or two punches at a time, two, three at a time, but um firstly he makes sure that the angles are a bit he's more considered about where he's throwing them from and by that i mean he's um he's creating really strange angles with his movement and with his hands down and this is a really important part of having your hands down as a boxer that just doesn't get talked about when pun you know the pundits talk about even if again if you've got the um if you've got the American commentary on, roughly at this point, they'll be talking a lot about Kazaki locks his hands down. This is a weakness of his. And they're just not connecting the dots to the fact that the fact that Kazagi has his hands down at this point is making it much, much harder for Kesna to read where his punches are going to be coming from. You know, Kazaki's hands are down near his waist. He leans to the right or to the left or whatever. And Kessler just doesn't know which angle the punches are going to come up from. And it makes it much harder for Kesna to react and I mean th- you're not gonna get away with this if your head movement is bad is bad if your footwork is bad you need to have be well balanced sharp movement sharp head movement all of that stuff but if you've got that if you've got that together then having your hands down low you don't, they don't have to be low all the time Kapsaki's hands aren't low all of the time he knows how to defend himself when Kessler starts getting on the attack he brings his hands up but but he's just having so much success by hiding disguising his punches by having his hands low and that's uh you know, that was a thing that he did all the time and he, he you know, you see him already start doing the loopy bolos and things and again that it seems like showboating and you know if you were a British fan watching at the time, who had been a fan for a few years, you would have been grown up watching Prince Nazim Ahmed. And don't get me wrong, I like Nazim. I like you know, he he was he he was a, he was a flawed fighter, but I like him. But the thing that the thing that a lot of people didn't like about him and that uh maybe put into people's heads at the time maybe not so much now is that uh showboating is needless and pointless and useless because what hammered used, used to do was a lot of his showboating was at a distance where it wasn't of any use to him it was just taking the piss what kalsagi doing and this is something that roy jones who was you know Kazagi's a contemporary and should have been his biggest rival they didn't fight when they should have done completely different story what they both did was showboat in range it's bait. It's basically a really exaggerated form of fainting. I think we, you know, we we know this, but um, it probably be a saying. There's so something Kazagi did a lot was his little loopy boat boner punches, which they, they're a distraction. They're, um, yeah, he's fainting and he does it well, and Kessler doesn't really know what's happening at this stage, and this is the first time again in this third round where Kesler really, where Kazagi really starts to show his class a little bit, and as this goes on. Um, you also need to keep an eye on his footwork because it, it's con- consistently brilliant. It's, this is something that doesn't get talked about with Kawasaki enough, and it's something I did want to raise with this um, with this little breakdown. Is um, Kawasaki is you know one of the better movers? He's one of the better movers you're gonna see, you're, you're ever gonna see. Again, he does have his moments where he just made he would make little raw errors of standing completely square and what have you that if you look at fighters and that like the most similar fighter to him now the most similar fighters to him now are probably are usyk and lomachenko they this stars a little bit different a little bit um they're definitely much cleaner in terms of the mechanics and stuff but there's a similarity there and um and when it comes to the footwork you know i don't i think it wouldn't be an awful lot to choose between you know lomachenko and um and usyk are known as the two best guys for work in boxing right now i don't think there would be a lot to choose between them and calzaghe if he was fighting sort of nowadays um and that's because i mean he like i said at the start he is in constant motion not just with his feet but he is always setting up something new and his movement is always he's always so well balanced like you can see in these early rounds his stance is he he gives the impression of being someone who's sort of he's incredibly light on his feet and but at the same time even though his punch is like loopy stoppy he is steady and set to punch like there are, he does he only gets off balance when he does make these real errors he's not one of these fighters who is um sort of dancing about moving and um and he loses his space because of it he, even when he's you know even when his head movement is uh pretty doing some pretty ridiculous things his base is stable and he's moving and it's just something he was so good at this he was so good at uh keeping himself mobile and stable at the same time while moving his head it's just something that doesn't get talked about enough when you talk about kazagi it always comes down to the volume and he had volume and heart and stamina and etc his footwork was just he was so good i'm I'm starting to get enthused now you know remember why i (laughs) <laughs> this is why so many of my boxes are this kind of my favourite boxes nowadays are this kind of style, this in and out and dancey and it's it's it comes from growing up watching this. And he's still, you know, one of the prime examples of it. Even if he didn't prefer, uh, didn't prove it on other stages he needed he could have wanted him to. Just watch him do this. And there's so much you can learn from him. And it's you know, some things you probably shouldn't try to do straight away because um yeah, he's an unorthodox fighter, and not everyone could get away with doing what he's doing. But that's one of those things. Not being able to get away with it doesn't mean it's it's wrong. Um yeah, this is just something he's so good at throughout his career, and it's just really on show here. He's just constantly, constant. Yeah, like I say, constant motion all the time. And the other thing I want to, I want to rave about. I want. I want uh, I'd like to point out in these sort of fourth, fifth, sixth rounds is um. As i said at the start of the round uh at, at the, before the start of the fight kessler's jab was really good and at this stage you can see it's not really landing with any success so you know kazag is already i mean um he's taken a little bit of while about it but he's found he's found at this point the rhythm to sort of take away kessler's main setup weapon which is making the rest of Kesler's work so much harder and then the counter to that is Kazagi's own jab. You're not again. This is Joe Kazagi. You're not going to write any form textbooks about how to throw your jab from Joe Kazagi, but how well he throw. He closes distance behind his jab. He's he's incredible at it. He's so good at being a different distance to who's usually closer or a distance. He moves around while he's doing it sometimes. He throws a jab and he's in a different position after he's thrown it than before he's not necessarily intending to hurt his opponents with it like with kessler here he's just he's popping his jab out and as his jab comes back he's also stepping in behind it and he's much much closer to kessler than it was before he threw it and behind that comes his left hand about yeah behind that comes his left hand and uh and he's usually throwing the jab upstairs or the left hand of the body, but the jab is, you know, up, down, all over the place. That's just the mark of a good jab, really. Like, uh, this is a boxing basic that uh, everyone needs to be taught. If you're throwing a jab, throw it differently. You know, don't throw, don't just throw have one round or jab. jab. Um, have all sorts of different jabs. And one of the things to do with your jab is obscure opponent's vision. And that's what Kazaki's mostly doing here. Like, yeah, his jab is a scoring punch. It's, you know, nice and sharp. But what he's mostly using it for at this stage is that Kelsa, so that kesler can't see him when Kazagi is moving especially when he doubles you know doubles and triples up on it but he does throw single sharp single jabs that are just intended to be annoying and sting and what have you but when he throws a double tri- double or triple he's moving behind it and following up with the left hand and you can clearly see the difference here you know kesler he's got a very good jab but he's mostly standing pretty still when he's throwing it or he's um he's moving in pretty straight lines um and you know his head doesn't move the jab it, he moves upstairs downstairs but there's not as much variety on it and that's just a trap that sometimes fighters to be honest fall into Like we we want your boxing form you we want your boxing form to be as good and as set as possible as clean as possible but sometimes some fighters you know even really good fighters like Anthony Joshua is a victim of this um they get so set in the getting the mechanics completely perfect that they don't. there isn't enough variety in play. And this is something, you know, again, Kessler, in a normal sense of... Um, against most of his opponents, he didn't lack variety. He, he had uh, plenty of variety on his jab, on his movement, on his timing, all of this. But when he's fighting Joe Kazaki, he just comes out a little bit straight-lined, a little bit one-paced. And that's just something that, you know, you have to... Sometimes it's a compromise, you know, you... You give up your technical cleanness to have more variety. Tyson Fury is the prime example of this at the moment. Joe Kazagi was the prime example of this at this time. This isn't just a British fighter thing, these just happen to be two British, completely disparate British fighters who found completely different ways of uh, using this same principle. Anyway, yeah, the point is this that um, as with many of his punches, joe Calzaghi's jab isn't going to win any prizes for you know prettiness and being taught how to throw it but uh like many of his punches not like you know i not, not like all of his punches but it was it, it's a lesson in what to use the jab for let's put it this way you wouldn't teach how to throw a jab from watching joe Calzaghi, but you would teach especially aggressive high, high volume fighters you would teach what your jab is for by watching joe Calzaghi. I think that's as good, as good a way to put it as any. And I think that's that's uh, true of quite a lot of what Joe Kazagi does, to be honest. You know, you wouldn't, again... Okay, you would teach footwork by watching Joe Kazagi. You wouldn't say to a beginner, replicate that. He's not that guy. You definitely don't want to be trying to do what Joe Kazagi is doing with his feet on your first weeks, months, probably even a couple of years in the gym. That's what you want to be aiming for. With his punches, you know, again... He had this broken hand issue. You don't want to be necessarily replicating exactly how he throws his punches. But what he's doing with it sort of tactically, technically, you know, how he's affecting his opponent with his choices of what he's doing. He was a very good fighter to copy. Um, not copy, learn from. And that's uh, another, uh, another thing I wanted to raise as we go through these sort of middle to later rounds is... Um, Kazagi's level changes. I did. um, I alluded to this when I talked about him having his hands down, but uh, when Kazagi moves, his head, And this is true, really, of everyone. um, It does sometimes get sort of forgotten in discussion. You you talk about your head movement as a defensive tool, and that comes up in punditry all the time, all the time. And what sometimes gets forgotten is your head movement as a setup tool for your punches because when you move your head three inches to the right that suddenly brings in a whole new angle like a boxing defense covers very specific things your guard covers you know you've only got so many inches your hands are only so wide you can only stand in you know one way at a time so an opponent leaning just a little bit to the right makes it much harder to defend against them and if you've got if an opponent's got if a fighter's got two or three or four stances of just slight different angles of adjustment of where their head is, then that means that there's just two or three or four differences of where the punches are coming from, and that just makes it harder for opponents. And again, Joe Calzaghi is not the guy who you're going to point out and go, imitate this if you are if you just walked into your gym. But, um, but he is the guy you maybe you want to aim for, because uh, there were so many different ways he could throw his punches, and he did combine... This head movement with differences in the punches themselves, which is a, it's a distinction that you sometimes see. Some fighters focus on changing the angle of the punches by changing where the punches are coming from, and some, Golovkin is a prime example of this. I think it's quite an the European thing, but I think historians, a true boxing historian, would have to talk about this more than me. Uh, but Golovkin is a good example of a fighter who changes the angle of his punches by changing the punch itself. Like he had head movement and footwork and all of that but um he still does but um but it's the punches themselves that change more as other fighters um you know it's the it's the head movement the footwork that creates the angle for the shot and Kazagi ultimately is doing both it's just also, again one of the reasons he's so damn hard to deal with um there's a bit of commentary that always that always comes to mind for me for me it's a fairly cliche um, bit of commentary in the um Lacey fight, which uh, comes back to mind, is um, he's coming at Lacey from all angles like an octopus. And, you know, that's a little bit of a... You know, you hear that sometimes. But um, in Kazagi's case it is because he had just so many options of where he wanted to throw his punches from. It just just made it really difficult to defend against. And when you're that difficult to defend against, you're difficult to attack as well because there was no opponent Kazagi fought that didn't have to they didn't spend more time thinking about what Kazagi was gonna throw at them than they did than they did at what they were gonna throw at Kazagi and you know that doesn't mean go out there and just throw all the punches with no thoughtful defense because again Kazagi's head movement was fantastic not just offensively but defensively as well and you know you can see it here um, in this fight like, as I say Kesla. He found his jab taken away quite quickly, and as you know, like I said a couple of times already, Kesta had a fantastic jab. He just found it very difficult to get at home after a while to do anything with it because Kazagi's footwork, head movement, and his positioning all together just, just took it away from him. And like, let's make it clear in, at this point in these middle rounds that I'm still talking about now, Kazagi hasn't completely taken over. there's still he still has his moments and he's still able to force Kazagi backwards and this is another reason why Kazagi is so damn good is um you know we all know Kazagi as a pressure fighter come forward throw all the punches but um he could fight on the back foot and as I alluded to at the start he's um better than a lot of guys at, at using his back leg you know this is something outside boxers do not necessarily inside boxes and that's why Kazagi was so good because because he could switch directions so quickly and you know Kesla could do that. Like I said, Kesla's comfortable fighting in both directions, but he wasn't quick as a, at adjusting between the two directions. Whereas Kawasaki, you know, he'll jump, he'll pop in, he'll pop out, he'll move to the he'll move round. He moves in both directions. And that's another thing I think to bear in mind. Um this is a truism that gets said a lot and it comes with the with what I mentioned right at the start about your the positioning of the of the lead foot. Um, it always gets said in open stance matchups, which again Kelsagie was in a lot, a lot of, that you want to have your f- foot on the outside. And the reason that gets said is because the true the you're also t- told that where you want to be circling to is in an open stance matchup to your right, um, away from your opponent's power hand. And that's true as far as it goes. Like if especially if you're circling tight then yes, you do want to get around the outside. It's not just safer for you. It's If you do manage to step around the outside of that lead hand, you're, you've are you got open shots behind their guard, behind, you know, the, you're, you're around, the, you've come around the side of their defence. So it's true that it is good to move that direction. But it's not the only way to move. And you can step, you know, you're, you're allowed to step the other way and you're allowed to step backwards and then circle the other way. Um, we saw it very very strongly with um, Usyk when he beat Joshua is that uh, when he circled to around Joshua's lead hand around Joshua's left he came very tight but he'd very often circle the other way and be much wider and when he did that then Joshua would have to chase him and Tried to have to try to close the gap, to you know, he'd be trying to get the lead hand, his, his um, right hand home, um, and the gap would be much bigger because Usyk was circling around much wider. And you see, you can see that here as well. Um, I, I would suggest that Kezler is a better technical boxer than Anthony Joshua, but he's facing some of the same problems here. Where when Kazag is coming around to around Kezler's jabbing hand, he's coming in tight, and with all the problems you associate with that, but a lot of the time. Kazagi, you know, Kesler is focusing on getting his lead foot on the outside. Kazagi just isn't bothered. And if he, uh, yeah, if he finds himself... If he finds that he can't turn around the outside, he just he doesn't mind just bouncing out backwards. But oftentimes, he'll bounce out backwards and then step around that lead hand anyway, step around the right anyway. Because if you're fast enough, you can do that. you know. But other times, he'll just go left and find the angles that way. Or he'll step left, Keslin will follow him and you step back around and come the other way. And this is, again, if you're a sort of relatively new or younger boxing fan and you're familiar with Usyk and this will sound familiar to you. And... Again, they're not the same type, they're not identical types of boxers, but but it's something that I feel doesn't get talked enough about with Joe Kazaki is how good his movement was, and how well he married that movement with his punches. And this is a fight where you get to see that, where you get to see him move, step around, throw a punch. This is, uh, I'm going to sound a little bit harsh here towards, uh, he's not a prospect anymore, um, but, uh, you know, sort of upcoming, upcoming-ish British fighter Josh Kelly... Because his movement is his movement is really really good, not that dissimilar to Joe Clasag. here, but he doesn't throw the punches after he's moved. It's something I've always been frustrated with him. It's become more and more clear as he moved up the levels. You have to throw those punches. You have to. You know. You can have all the movement in the world. Um, you have to have the punches coming in afterwards. It's something I was actually just talking about with a couple of the lads on Twitter with Kyle. Was it Kyle and Felipe? about um Sergio Martinez um you know Sergio Martinez is a boxer I really really enjoy watching I you know, his career was fantastic but you can compare um Martinez directly to Joe Kazagi they were roughly contemporaries Martinez was a little bit later along um but their movement they, they weren't directly similar but they had similar ideas about how they fought but with um with Martinez um, his footwork was way in advance of the rest of his game and that isn't true of Calzaghe you know even if if you looked at a highlight reel then the prettiest punches will come from Martinez but he only had a couple of you know one or two shots he didn't have a problem pulling the trigger but he only had like one or two he had a few shots that he always went back to with Calzaghe he had every punch in the book like all of them he all the hooks all the all the rights at different angles you know again that thing about if you throw the same left hook um, twice, but you're, you've leant over three or four inches further along when you throw it, then it's a different punch. And um, that was something that Kazagi was, like, of his time, one of the best at. And even now, that you know, since then, there haven't been many better. Um, and just something that you will notice coming more and more true as this fight goes on. And um, yeah, just because they're getting more and more frustrated okay and look from around five six seven yeah from then on Kazagi has sort of now taken over the fight um and this is the thing that it makes him exciting or the reason i love to watch him is a weakness his defense was never perfect i would you know his defense was very good i'm going to talk about his guard in a second there was always times when he'd just commit a bit too much to throwing too much um and get clipped and then you know it happened here and uh, i think it was around seven he gets rocked back on his heels but immediately, like I was talking about earlier, um, immediately gets back on the front foot, isn't discouraged by this at all, and Kesla just, uh, he doesn't have time to think about what it was he did, what is going to do next, and Kawasaki doesn't really, you know, he makes mistakes, but he doesn't make the same mistake twice in a row, like he's not, it's not fundamental, nothing he does is a fundamental issue with his game, like, another fighter I'd compare him to, because, as you may have noticed, I like comparing fighters, it's um. Amir Khan who will be fighting Kelbrook soon in a riveting fight that uh, definitely isn't happening 10 years too late in any case um, Amir Khan I don't know if he sees Kawasaki as one of his influences but there are many ways in which he sees uh, in which he clearly sees he he clearly fights in a sort of similar manner to what Kawasaki did Um, apart from Kazagi having a much better chin um, the reason Kawasaki was better in a, a lot of the ways is that when Kazagi got clipped by something that happened by getting his footwork out of shape he didn't do the same thing again because it, again like i just said it was a lapse of concentration not a fundamental flaw in amir khan he always approaches in exactly the same way and it's always a mistake because it's always leaping in from distance um wade did something similar You know, these are the kinds of fighters that you can compare Kalzaghi to. And, you know, again, in terms of the way they throw the punches, in terms of the hand speed, all of that, all the combinations, they could be comparable. But the way they combine those punches with the footwork, Kalzaghi's in a different level. And, uh, And, yeah, he just didn't have these, like, again, his flaws weren't fundamental. His flaws were flaws of concentration, of, oh, yeah, okay, I've done too much. I won't do it again. Um, anyway, I said I was going to talk about his guard, so I'm going to um, This is probably the weakest part of this game, you know, this is a, a thing where You're not going to Like you You can pick things up from watching Joe Sagi and the way he uses his hands to parry, catch, whatever But he did use, he does sort of When his hands are up to catch punches around the sides, he is a little bit open down the middle like he is good at using you know, keeping his guard active like he puts the earmuffs on but they don't stay there um, it's sort of one of my least favorite things in watching boxing when a guy just gets it earmuffs up and keeps a static guard you know no matter how well placed your guard is if your hands aren't moving if your hands aren't prepared to adjust a little bit then you're far more open to these what I was talking about earlier with Kawasaki himself of these little angles that your opponents are throwing and this is partly a reflex thing, you know partly you do have to have the reflexes to get it done Um, you know the faster you are the faster the sharper your eyes are the the, the easier it is for you to do this you but but you can also read your opponent's stance, adjusts adjust to your opponent's stance um, and again if your stance is hard to read it's harder for your opponent to set up these punches and both of these things are true of Kazagi he is both making it hard for Kesla to Read him at all, and when Kesler throws, he's adjusting very fast. He's um, you know, he gets his hands or his head in, out of position. He brings his guard down when Kesler goes to the body. Um, he is always this, as I say, he is always um a little bit open to uppercuts and just straight shots, straight down the middle, straight down the pipe. That, as I say, that's probably his biggest weakness. It's the thing that got him knocked in his ass a few times in his career. He didn't get knocked down here. I didn't hit him hard enough for that. But, but. You know, you, you see if you're watching this fight, or if you watch this fight at some point, you'll notice it here you'll definitely notice it against Hopkins and Jones. It's it, it was it's a weakness in this game. It's, it's, there's no playing around with that. But even as that's happening, he's throwing. You know, Kessler's just getting more and more flustered, and this is where Kazagi's famous gas tank does come into play. Because I think the thing which I didn't mention at the start, which maybe I should have, is at this stage um, Kazagi is very near the end of his career. Kazagi is I think thirty five when he fought this fight, and Kesda was I believe twenty eight. So Kazagi was, you know, he's he's coming down out of his prime by this stage. You know, this is the stage where he got the most famous, but he's winding down his career at this point. Even though maybe this wasn't known at the time, he was thirty five, seven years older than his opponent, and yet. He just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing And upping the tempo and upping the tempo till the end And there's just no I mean firstly there's no time You know, Kezla's the smart guy But he just hasn't got time to think He just hasn't got time to readjust And keep, you know, keep going And, you know, even at this stage Even at 35, Kazagi was significantly the faster guy There's one thing that gets talked about a lot Is that if Kazagi had fought Roy Jones earlier Um he would have got absolutely schooled because Jones would have been, you know, much faster than him. And that's true. Like, don't get me wrong. I would pick Roy Jones against Kazagi, you know, more than nine times out of 10, if they thought, um, despite how much I I rate and look like Jack Kazagi, um, Jones is the most gifted. Like as as I said at the start, did I say at the start? I hope so. Um, Jones is the most gifted boxer I've seen, despite not having the achievements. Similar story to Kazagi here. Um, you know, he is, I think, the most gifted boxer I've ever seen. Kazagi is very good. Not that good. Anyway, it would have been a better fight than a lot of people want to say it is. I think Kazagi would have given Jones more trouble than people want to suggest because he was very fast. Even at 35, you know, Kessler. he's not a super rapid guy. He's not slow. Mind stretches stretch of the imagination. But he was consistently outskilled by a man seven years sped man seven years a senior in a, you know every facet. And as I say, he just couldn't catch a breath. He couldn't he you know he he doesn't because they had no stamina issues, he just wasn't Cho Cowzagi. You know I mean the punch stats when you start looking at the if you take a look at the punch stats in this fight obviously you know, this is the era before you've got computer box breakdowns or round around for everything. So you can't entirely know you know, without going to, to going to have a look for yourself exactly when all this happened. But um, Calzaghi threw over a 1,000 punches in the fight, which is something that he regularly did. And Kessler threw about 500, which, you know, is not at all a bad clip. It's just in almost half of what, you know, just over half of what Calzaghi threw. And the accuracy of Kessler's is a little bit more accurate. Um, it was more much more accurate with the power punches. Calzaghi's jab was uh, ultimately... It was where most of the difference was, but the point is that um that the volume of Kazagi was, you know, insane for a super middleweight. This is what we knew already. Uh, but it's not just the volume, and this is what I wanted. To, one of the things that I wanted to get at with here is, um you know, Kazagi's stamina gets talked about with how much volume his opponent, opponents had to deal with, but it wasn't just that. It is, as I say, he's constantly moving. He basically, Kazagi takes almost no rests in any fight. He doesn't take rounds off. He doesn't step step back and limit his movement. Like even when he's boxing on the outside, he's moving all the damn time. Like he's circling one way than the other, and he's making he makes movements which are high energy. You know, he's not he wasn't an efficient boxer. Like Kessler is an efficient boxer, and one of the reasons why he was good, one of the reasons this one was so impressive, was that Kessler is a fighter who, you know, he was minimal. You know, he he. He takes the straight lines, he takes the um the quickest route to whatever he wants to wants to be doing. And Kesler is um Kazaki is going around houses to to get where he's going and Yeah, he there are, there are very, very few fighters who can manage who who ever have been able to manage that kind of thing. Like Roman Gonzalez can do it, you know, much smaller guy. Lomachenko can do it out of fighters these days, and Usyk can do it, and like, Usyk is really the only guy who compare, can compare for stamina out of Guys, that size, probably in the last, I'm, I may be missing someone really obvious, but um, you know, in the last twenty years of guys over, above middleweight, you know, I am not sure there have been any who can not just throw but constantly, constantly move with the consistency that Joe Calzaghe is. It's just, and even in like even Usyk, and this isn't a positive or negative, but even Usyk, he is more efficient than Joe Kazagi His movements are less intensive and high energy and constantly all over the shop. So again, that's not me saying Kazaki's better than Usyk for this reason, but it is another reason why his gas tank was so incredible. Like, it's just it's just never <laughs> this is something I say I say all the time or about Kazaki. Is, you know, as much as I've made I've done this podcast to talk about the technical aspects and I hope I've managed to highlight some of them the ultimate thing is he was able to do this because he had the gas tank that allowed him to never stop moving and um, and that is probably one reason why you can't teach Kazagi to fighters like you keep if you can fight like him you find that out when you can push that tempo all the damn time anyway um, to wrap up a little bit, um, because I have now been talking longer than the fight itself was. Um, so if if you have if you've had the fight running, then you may be finished by now. But um, the start of the fight, at uh, the start of round twelve, um, there is a you know the, the Kazaki sort of gets more and more dominant as the fight goes on. And there, but the start of round twelve is sort of a nice little summary of everything that happens. Um, I'll give you actually. The second timer of an exchange i had in mind if you give me one second to go and get it it starts at pretty much precisely 30 seconds into the round and um, they've just had a little you know little thing and the refs break broken them they step apart and then um kazagi's sort of on the back foot for a little while kezler throws one jab he throws another jab and you can straight away see that he's not comfortable with having to kazagi's move back Kesla instead of having the feet so he can step in reaches and over over stretches, and Kazagi doesn't even—it's not even that he punishes him for this straight away. But while Kestner sort of regaining his sense of composure, then Kazagi steps in. He throws a jab, and then this is one thing I really should have mentioned before when I'm talking about the foot position. He puts Kazagi at this point deliberately puts his foot on the inside of Kestner because—and my bad—I should have mentioned this before, but um, I've got to it now. Um, when your foot is on the inside of your opponent, it's a great way, if you know what you're doing, to break your opponent's posture. And that is exactly what Kazagi does here. His foot is on the inside in between Kessler's. He steps in and Kessler's stance, he's just out of his stance straight away. He, you know, Even if he throws, even if it lands on Kazagi, it's not going to be with the power that he needs it to be because he's been pushed forth out of shape by Kazagi, sort of pushing himself into Kessler's space off that front foot. And then he, you know, he um, because Kawzagi's come in forced Kesler out of shape, then the uppercut's not really there, so all of Kezla's punches have to come above him. Kez- Kazaki's ducking, and then stepping, sort of stepping around. Um, he is seeking, you know, he's got his foot on the inside, he steps back out. He does want to then get his foot on the right and escape that way. This time, Kesler does adjust quite well, and this is a thing. it's a good fighter, you can see here, he turns with Kazaki, so um, he still has that foot position. So straight away, Kazaki just goes, okay, not happening, clinch. Then the ref breaks him up. It's about a 15-second sequence from starting from... Um, as I say, thirty seconds into the round, and it just really—it's a summary of everything that Kazagi was, not everything that Kazagi was doing, but a lot of what Kazagi was doing to Kesner throughout the fight, just summed up in a fifteen-second little sequence. And as I say, if you if you go back to watch other Kazagi fights or other fighters, um, that front foot thing it is a thing that does irritate me. Always have your lead foot on the outside of close stance match of an open starts match up. This is one of the reasons why you don't always have to. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Then the rest of the round plays out uh, not in a dissimilar fashion with Kazagi in and out boxing. And again, that's I think a thing to highlight. If you weren't familiar with too familiar with Kazagi, you may have got this impression that he is a full-on constant constant pressure fighter, and he could do that. But at heart, he was an in and out fighter, in and out throw his volume was insane but it was delivered coming in and out in and out moving around all of that stuff and you see that in the final round where well, he is probably a little bit more on the back foot than he had been earlier in the fight because it's uh you know the fight was at this point safe he still won the round i think quite comfortably but he wasn't he didn't feel the need to be constantly shoving kessler off his game he did get tagged once you know comatex made a bigger deal out of it than it really was but again it's joe is always there to take a little shot and yeah, the fight proceeds to its end, and that's all she wrote, Kazaki wins comfortably on the scorecards, and um, as I say, it's not the most glamorous win of his career, he beat Chris Eubank, but Chris Eubank was old, he beat Bernard Hopkins, but um, Hopkins was old and that fight was really fucking ugly, but I think he definitely did win, you know, there's some controversy about that, but, but um, you know, um, I think people scoring that for Hopkins are somewhat ignoring that in order to bring Calzaghe's volume down from its usual 100, 150 punches around to maybe about 50, Hopkins reduced his own volume to almost zero. So I do give that fight to Kessler. Roy Jones was the most glamorous name on his resume, but Roy Jones was so far past it that that fight is barely, to be honest, barely worth talking about. So yes, Kessler and obviously Jeff Lacey... Was not the fighter that we thought he was. Although it is difficult to say, that was such a beating that his later Lacey's later resume may be, may not be a reflection of who he was in the Kazagi fight, but a reflection of the damage he took. It's hard to say for sure, but ultimately that was massively one sided and a complete outclassing, and didn't tell you anything. You know, he did all the same things that he did here against Kesna, but he just straight away from the off, he didn't have to do any work to get there. So this is a more interesting fight to watch. Um, yeah, that's that really. Um, I hope you have enjoyed this. Um, um, I hope you got something out of it. I hope I managed to get some points across. Um, if it's gone well, you know, maybe I'll do it again for other fighters, maybe more modern fighters. Um, other than that, yeah um as you know this is the fight type boxing podcast keep an eye out on the uh, again january is a bit dry for boxing um i may do i don't done sure shorts coming up in january but february the schedule starts to come together for february so the more mer- my more regular stuff is um is going to start coming in february but if you're following the fight site um the wrestling and the the mma stuff is starting to come back like the yeah, others mma card this weekend so You'll see some previews on the site. They'll be um, follow the podcast on our network. And uh, as for me, Mm. again, whenever next time is, hopefully I'll do something next week. If not, I'll see you after that. Have a good one.